Downloads of the show are available at Podomatic.com or the Podomatic mobile app. Hey kids, you are listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, and this show is Fish Out of Agua with Michelle Carlo. We're starting out loud and proud today. Woohoo! I'm going to let this song speak for itself because it's one of my faves. And I don't give a damn about my bad reputation. Not me. (laughs) Oh, my God. I love that song so much. And um, this song actually kind of personifies our guest artist this week. Oh, personifies a lot of people. I kind of don't give a damn either. But anyway, this was the great Joan Jett with Bad Reputation from her debut solo album by the same name back in 1980. It was released. Wow, Joni been bad for a long time. And she's still doing it, too. I was just reading about her. She's awesome. Yay! Well, we have a whole lot of show for you today, and um, we're going to get right to it. We're going to continue the music portion with a song that our guest artist this week handpicked to open their episode. speech. The first time it protects material, presumptively. We don't talk about uh, harassment, sexually brutalizing women in my music, man. We don't do that in my music, man. I'm tired of you saying that. We've got 
people try to crap our style, saying we're too nasty and we're too live. Corrupted politicians playing games, bringing us down to boost their fame. They must be joking, thinking we were poor, but they're like flies moving the wall. We stand tall from beginning to end, with help from fans and all our friends. Freedom of speech will never die. For us to have, our ancestors died. Don't keep thinking that we will quit. We'll always stand and never sit. We're too live, too black, too strong. Doing the right thing and not the wrong. So listen up, y'all, to what we say. We won't be banned in the USA. Out of Agua on Radio Free Brooklyn. You just heard Band in the USA from Miami rappers Two Live Crew from their Nasty As We Wanna Be album back in 1990, which was the first album to get parental advisory. 
If you remember the early 90s, there was a whole lot of controversy and a whole lot of testifying in committees with the House and the Senate. People like Tipa Gore and Frank Zappa and Two Live Crew and a lot of people were embroiled in controversy about the censorship of musical artists. Guess what? It didn't happen. <laughs> Well, our guest artist this week is also no stranger to controversy about their chosen artistic genre. And why don't I just stop and let this person speak for themselves? Bad reputation? Banned in the USA? Who could this person be? <laughs> well, wait no longer, kids, because now it's time for my favorite part of the show. Whoa, whoa. Welcome to Fish Out of Hogwarts, guest artist of the week! That's me. I am sitting here so thrilled with someone who I've known for just about this entire century, who I know has a fascinating trajectory, and you guys can't wait to hear it. I would call her an OG art star, but she just missed that by a couple of years. But please welcome songwriter, writer, performer, and mom, Jessica Delfino. Yay! Hi, uh, Michelle. Oh, my God. I'm so happy that we're doing I this. I know. It feels like a reunion. Yes, it does. It feels like I'm right back on Ludlow Street. And imagine the people, the old heads who came even before us, you know. Oh, yeah. They well, walk through the West Village and they're like, what is this? Well, we're just one spoke in a wheel of, oh, yeah. like, New York City artists oh, that yeah. just keeps going going and going and going and shifting and changing but oh, yeah. we'll get to that in a little bit but being that we've already established this like OG old school art thing um do you remember where and when we met uh I do think it was probably if not at surf or or collective unconscious one of the open mics poetry club yeah it was either I I'm gonna say that I just saw you like you appeared like Joan of Arc I think it was surf a vision I saw you at an open mic. I think I saw you doing Carmen Mafongo, and at, I was like, you and, know, we're probably going to have to be friends. And I saw you playing dirty songs on the ukulele, and I was like, <laughs> I love her. And we became friends. And that was, I'm going to say, um, at the turn of the century, like was, 17 uh, years ago, least, 2001? Yeah, like eight, yeah, 17, 18. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Like we, if, if our friendship was a person, it could vote this year. Yeah. Uh -huh. Wow. So you did not grow up in New York. You grew up in Maine. I so have a transplant. Where in Maine? Da a very small town called Damrascada. Is that like by Canada? I know. Um, I know it's called Canada. I just like to yeah, say Canada. Yeah, no, it is like Canada. Um, it's, uh, uh, no, not really. I mean, Maine is huge. It's like a gigantic... Really? There, there are chunks of Maine that are named numbers, like, I don't know, ML-18 or whatever. So, really? Yeah. I mean, Like artillery? Huge, huge tracts of land, yeah, that are like just trees and moose. Wow. No people. As a matter of fact, if you wanted to, like, buy property somewhere and you didn't know where to go, you could actually go up to Maine and do these, like, you know, things where you buy just acres and acres of land because really? it's, like, un livable. You know? So is it like the last frontier up it's there? It's one of them. It's, I mean, it's it's practically Canada. You know, it's like, yeah. Were you all the way up north by Canada? Oh, hell no. No, we were down like on the coast. Downstate, right? Because yeah. it's upstate and downstate, right? Uh, I mean, I never heard it called that. Oh, okay. We called it down east. Oh, down east. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. And, um, Did you live near the bushes? Uh, no. no. <laughs> they lived like way down in Kennebunkport. 
and we were in Loli de Amoriscada, a beautiful coastal town, super like in the summer turned into a crazy tourist wow. explosion town. What big city was it near? Um, like an hour, I guess, uh, north of Portland. I didn't know that Maine was big. Huge. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like a, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a wonderland of nothing. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So what was it like to grow up in the wonderland of nothing? It was awesome. I mean, I had a really idyllic childhood where, you know, my parents weren't afraid to let me go outside and play. And, you know, I had my sisters and we would just run around, play in the cemetery, play in the woods, play, you know, play in places that like you should not play, <laughs> you know, where if kids were playing there today, kids would, you know, parents would be very uncertain. Kids will find the place where they're not supposed to oh, be yeah. and go there. That's just <laughs> the way kids are. Yes. Um, so... Are your parents from this, uh, what they call American, or are they immigrants yeah, from someplace else? Yeah, no, my parents else? are American. They're both from, like, the Jersey area and, you know, New, New Jersey. Okay. Ah, oh, okay. And, uh, but they both were kind of sick of the area and the scene and were like, mm. let's go up to Maine and just try okay. something different. Well, what's your last name, Delfina? I was thinking some maybe exotic parentage was there. Well, there's a, an Italian lineage on both sides, but no, nothing. Huh? No, 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 my, no, my no grandparents in the old country. Off the, um, you know, the the boat. What, what do they call it? You know, he came yeah. to Ellis Island, Ellis Island, and then wow. he lived down in the Lower East Side for a while, and then they moved to to Buffalo. Oh wow! So they were part of like that original immigration yeah, wave totally. in like the early 1900s, maybe. Yeah. So would would you consider your parents hippies? Yeah, probably. Yeah, totally. Well, well, you know, it's interesting because they they when I was a kid. They seemed like hippies to me. You know, my dad had all these like Beatles albums and they had parties and you know, there was certain smells late at night that I was like, what is that smell? You know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. they, I think that they were pretty like open-minded. Mm. Although I do remember that I, I'm pretty sure they voted for Reagan. So that doesn't really seem like a hippie thing to do. Yeah, but you know, in the eighties people did lots of strange things. Now my parents I believe are Republicans, which is really weird. Too. Does that make for awkwardness when you get home? Yeah, we have a no politics mm. allowed. No, no, just you know, politic discussion. And you said you have a sibling. Is she older or younger than you? I have a lot of sisters. Oh wow! I have so many sisters. For I don't real? Know all their like from the same mom, days. from the same mother and from father. The same mom, yeah. How many of you are there? Um, there's one, two, three. Are you four, are you numbered? Five, six, seven. I'm number one. You're the oldest? the oldest, so you're one of seven. I'm one of seven. Although you could be on Star Trek. I could be a Kardashian. <laughs> yeah, or, or a Borg. <laughs> so did you grow up in a performance or education-oriented family? Did your, did your parents encourage you dabbling in the arts? Or? Yeah, we had a, I mean, my grandparents were, was where I spent most of my time in New Jersey as a kid. And even on holidays and whatever, and weekends, my mom would truck us down from Maine to, you know, New Jersey. And we, I played a grand piano pretty much every day. It wow. was in the middle of the living room, and I just played it. How old did, were you when you started playing the piano? Probably, like, three. Did you just gravitate towards it yeah. and start playing, or yeah. did you get lessons? Yeah, my sisters and my cousins and I would bite the ends of the keys off. We destroyed the piano. I mm. mean, you, yeah. you bit the keys? We bit the ivory keys off the piano. How did it taste? Uh, I think kind of like potato chips. Ah, that's so funny. <laughs> I mean, they probably were real ivory, too. Oh, yeah. My grandmother would come in and, like, yell at us, but, you know, whatever. Yeah, we, whatever. We had, we had a mission. No, you're kids. Um, and we, we destroyed her piano, but we played it a lot. And eventually, my uncle, who actually could kind of play piano, taught me some stuff. And then they, my mom was in a band, so they would rehearse in the middle of the living room. My uncle was a drummer, you know, so there was a lot of music and performing around me. Oh, okay. Um, especially of a musical sort. 
And my grandfather was really into comedy so he, and, and watching movies. So he got two VCRs when nobody had really any VCRs. He like, you know, really put his money into getting two VCRs and recorded every single movie at the movie store, which was illegal, of course. And there's like a, you know, announcement that says, don't do that. But we watched every single movie that existed, basically. The year of probably, I don't know, from like 1982 to 1990. Wow. So you grew up immersed in music and pop culture. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cool. And reading also? Uh, um, yeah, I mean, we, I did read a lot, like, but not anything really too fancy. Just did like you, whatever was around. Did you make shows with your siblings? Um, I mean, being the oldest, did you orchestrate things? Not really. We did a couple, like, I, I remember when I was 10 years old, I had a band, actually. Maybe we'll have to take a picture of this and, like, put it on. But this is called the Three Flabbergasted Cows. Oh, my this God. This is my 10-year-old cassette. Um, Mixtape on the air from... We don't have the year. I was 10 years old, so it would have been 86. So this is called The Three Flabbergasted Cows. And it was and a band, yeah, that I made with two of my friends in sixth grade. And it's really, really stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, at least oh, you're it still... it says 1990. I'm sorry. Yeah. And look at those songs. Dingleberry Trail, Belch Queen, Fruit Loops, Jungles, and Monkeys, Party in the Bathroom. Yeah. Wow, you were destined for art stardom, Jessica. Well, so I think <laughs> and, this was inspired by the Beastie Boys, actually. So um, did you have a musical, like, career? In, in, in going through school? Did you always play in bands and stuff? I mean, I played the saxophone in school, which is ridiculous, but my dad wouldn't let me play the flute, you know? He was like, you're not going to be a sissy, you know? Like, he didn't want me to, oh. to play the flute. He wanted me to play something, like, tougher. So I played the saxophone, and... Yeah, um, they're heavier. All the cute girls got to play the flute. The only people who played saxophone were me and the other girl in class who, like, wanted to be a truck driver when she grew up. Ah! So, yeah. <laughs> was it alto, alto or tenor sax? It was alto. Okay. But, yeah, it was just... I mean, so I like to be around instruments and playing music, but I wasn't really, like, doing anything of any mm. prestige or, you know... When did you start playing guitar or uh, strings? When I was 15. Uh, I mean, I'd picked up guitars for years. There was one at my grandmother's, and I, I, would pick, I just didn't know what... I had no idea how to even use the thing. You know, it just looked so kind of confusing, really. But when I was 15, my boyfriend at the time bought me a guitar. He said to keep, help keep me out of trouble. And uh, I taught myself... I could finally figure it out when I was about 15. And he also bought me one guitar lesson with this, like, local yokel. Oh, wow. Who taught me how to make some chords and stuff. So he was uh, he was pretty funny, though. I remember the guy. He, he was a smoker, and he was, like, a real bad smoker. So he was like, so what do you want to learn? And I was like, I don't know. Just, like, teach me how to play the guitar. And he kept, like coughing but I thought he was laughing you know oh my god I he, so he was like well I don't know a G chord's pretty hard to play <laughs> I thought he was laughing but he was actually dying oh jeez so did any of your other siblings end up being an artist um Abby let's see my sisters um are all creative in their own ways none of them pursued that as like a field I guess they're all kind of more one of them is a designer but it's for more like corporate mm, mm -hmm. stuff like, like a graphic designer or something um like uh, interior mm. design and then one of them is a t she's a teacher and then the younger ones you know tbd right right they're yeah. still actually like you know one of them i think is like a kind of a yoga teacher slash coffee barista and then one of them is uh you know making jewelry so i guess that's kind of creative yeah i think so and the one qualifies. of them is uh kind of a i think she works at like a motorcycle shop just a, a mishmash. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, so you have a large of uh, varied interests between all all the, the Delfino tribe. Yeah. How are your parents uh, with you that you turned out 
to be the first and the artist? Are you the black sheep? I think that everything turned out okay. You know, they're happy now. There was a time when it was really, like my dad wanted me to go to school for business and I was just like, what business? I would never, you know what I mean? I want to be an artist. And he was like, well, go to business art. And I was like, not interested. Business art? Yeah. It the hell is that? I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> How is that? Those are like two yeah. twists, like no, North no. and South Magnet. Yeah. No. So my mom was like, whatever you want to do is fine with me, you know? And then I started doing comedy and she was like, except comedy. No, not comedy. Don't you know? Oh, God forbid! I think she was just scared. You know, yeah, like any of course. Parent, she, um, yeah. So I, when I started to get some more kind of like publicity or acclaim or bigger paying shows, then she was she started being cool about it. Right, because she knew that you weren't just like um, in your underwear in a gutter, drunk, yeah, and not being able to pay rent. I mean, rent. well, that too, but you know. Well, yeah. I mean, everyone's in their underwear in the gutter, but drunk out at some of the point. Gutter, right. Exactly. So, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, where did you go to? Did you go to college? I did. I went to the Art Institute of Philadelphia, and I got a degree in um, in graphic. Uh, well, I wanted to study graphic design, but I. The guy who was, the, like, the guidance counselor was like, you've got to do animation. Animators get paid so much more than graphic design. So I kind of got, like, strong-armed into doing animation, and I hate animation. I, sh I didn't want, I never wanted to do it to begin with. Wow. I remember at the time being like, animation, isn't that a thing where you just draw the same picture over and over and over again? That sounds horrible. And he was like, yeah, but you're going to make a lot more money than if you did graphic design, which is really silly because I actually still use my graphic design skills to today. Oh yeah. You know, I make posters, I make my CD cases, I you know Photoshop really well. Like those are skills that I use I've used forever. It's been great. Yeah. It saved me a lot. I, I mean, I've almost I almost would be able to pay for my degree with how much money I saved oh, from geez. not having to hire people to make posters. <laughs> oh my god, did, did you get saddled with like multi thousands? The biggest student loan ever. And right now, my school is actually being sued by the federal government what? for coercing and frauding students like myself when I went in and then being like, oh, you should do this other thing because the animation program was a lot more expensive than graphic design. Of course. Oh, maybe that's why they were pushing it. Absolutely. Oh, so, so there's like a lot of that kind of stuff that happened and Art Institute is like in big trouble. They got a lot of their locations shut down. A lot of their money was refunded to their students. So fingers crossed. Oh, maybe you'll be on the good end of a class action oh, suit. Oh, I hope so. No, I mean, that, that, to me, that's just like such a freaking tragedy. I graduated from the School of Visual Arts in the 80s. Um, I, yes, I had debt. But I was able to pay all of that debt off by the time I was in my mid-30s. That's incredible. I, and that's unthinkable today. Yeah. It, it was like in the space of 10 years, it just it, it ballooned as much as storefront rents in New York City yes. have. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like, like exponentially. Oh, it was, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, and pe so many people. I mean, I really don't know a person who doesn't have a huge student loan. No, and, and sometimes, I mean, I, I like conspiracy theories. Sometimes I think it's intentional. It was an intentional way of roping people in to make sure that an entire generation would always be in debt. It's like the new crack. Yeah, kind of. Oh, my God. This sounds like the name of a song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of my dirty folk rock Yeah. Songs. So, um, when you graduated, uh, what did you do with your, you had, you had a BFA, right? Uh, I didn't, I got an associate degree. Oh, oh associate degree. Okay. So I actually went to University of Maine before Art Institute and mm. studied fine art. Oh. So by the time I got to Art Institute, I was like 
done, I'd already done like two years of school there, and then I was like, you know what, I don't want to do four years here, I'll just do two, because a lot of my credits didn't transfer. Uh, oh, that's another totally conspiracy sucks. too. That totally, totally sucks. Agree. What's wrong with you, schools? I know. Get together, right? I know. Like, help help the students out, yo. Nope. You're, no, not, I know. That's no. not business. No, it's not. Business. No, that's, that's students. art business, right? Yeah. That, that's what business yeah, art that's is. That's what this is. Screwing over artists. Yeah, screwing over <laughs> artists. So when you got your degree, did you go back to Maine with it, or is that when you came to New York? I came to New York at that point. Directly afterwards. Well, I worked in Philly, which you know where I went to mm -hmm. school, at a couple sort of animation jobs, like one video game place, and then I got a job in New York City as a like a junior art director, like a graphic designer mm. kind of a thing. And I was like, oh, this is cool. This is kind of what I wanted to do anyway, and it paid really well. And I wanted to be in New York because I'd already at that point started performing and doing comedy, and I was like, what year was that? Um, that was probably ninety or eighty nine. Oh, no, I'm sorry, that's not true. No, it was, I'm sorry, like 99. 99, okay, so at the, at the turn of the century. Yes, uh -huh. So had you discovered the open mics of the Lower East Side, not that performance really scene at yet? that point, because I was mostly performing in Philly, but I had some friends who came to New York to perform a lot, and they would bring me with them, and that's when I would go to the, um, to the Boston Comedy Club on West 3rd Street. Oh, okay. And yeah. I would go hang out there and kind of bump around the West Village. I, would, I made friends with Jim Norton, we hung out a lot. We would go play chess at the chess shop. On the chest store on Thompson Street. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. I know that. And uh, that was super fun. I loved that place. Every time I went there, the guy would give me a magic bar, which was kind of like a brownie, but it was like not chocolatey. I don't know how to else to describe it. It was just like a disgusting treat. He gave me one every time. He was really nice to me. Wow. And, uh, and I just, in general, really loved hanging out in the West Village at that time. But I wanted to expand out and see other, you know, like find other mics and stuff. And actually, I did eventually move to New York to get that, to do that right. job. And when I moved here... That's when I was like, all right, I got to see what's out there. Now, were you playing music throughout your whole college career, or did that kind of go on the wayside? Um, I was just kind of goofing off, not performing on stages, um, just like playing Neil Young and Led Zeppelin and, you know, stuff like that. And then I started doing comedy in the city, and actually I had a boyfriend at the time. I was like, you know, I think I want to try playing the song on stage, and I played it, and he, like, laughed a lot, and he really liked it, and that gave me the confidence to try it huh. out. So what made you decide to um, get into comedy? Uh, I think... You were still in college. Yeah, well, you know... You were in Philly. I was in Philly, and I was hanging out in this park. And you're like, what, 20? Probably about something like that, yeah. And this comedian came over to me, and it was started. I saw him. I was sitting on a park bench, and he was, like, bumming cigarettes. You got a cigarette? Got a cigarette? Got a cigarette? And he, I saw him getting closer and closer, and eventually he got to me, and he was like, you got a cigarette? And I gave him one, and we started chatting. He told me he was a comedian, and I was like, wow, a real-life comedian, because my, I'd watched all this comedy at my grandpa's house. I'd never seen a comedian in real life, but all I knew was that they were magical, incredible people that could come up with these brilliant jokes on the fly on stage and make rooms full of people laugh. And I was like, these people are like, they're like magicians. So I met this guy in person and he said, hey, come on over to my house. I'll show you my comedy tapes because he could see. When he told me he was a comedian, I was like, you're a comedian? Wow. Oh my goodness. That's so cool. You know, oh my he, was, God. he was like, come on over. I'll show you some of my tapes. Normally, I wouldn't really probably go over to a stranger's house, but I was so intrigued. I really wanted to see his quote unquote comedy tapes. So we Did went you see them? Yeah, he showed me his, you know, this VHS, popped a tape in, showed me his set, and he was, like, really good, and he was doing, uh, and I, his name was Stu Kamens, he was, like, this really old school, you know, comedian who'd been doing it in, like, the 80s, and he had all these different, you know, TV sets that he had done for this sh TV show or that TV show, and they were really good, but I noticed as he showed me tape after tape that the jokes were repeating, and I was like, wait a minute, you wrote these jokes in advance and memorized them and then told them? And he was like, well, yeah. And I was like, I could 
do comedy. And he was like, no, you can do comedy because you're a girl. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then, of course, I felt like it was almost like a dare. I was like, no, I, I really want to just give this a try. So I went home, and my boyfriend at the time was this co comedian named Kurt Metzger, who's now doing really well. And I was like, Kurt, Kurt, I really want to try doing stand-up. And he was like, I've always wanted to try doing stand-up, too. And I was like, let's go. And I drove him to an open mic at... Um, in New Brunswick, the, uh, Catch a Rising Star, I forget the name of the place, it's like some, some place in New Brunswick, and he got on stage, but I, I chickened out, I was too afraid, and it took me like a month to get the courage to actually go on stage. Wow. Did you see any other female comedians when you went to those stages? Just a couple, not usually, it was mostly guys, but there were a few, like there was, they were older women, usually, mm. you know, who had had a little more time to build up. Like I the fabulous the Mrs. Mizells of the 90s. Yeah, yeah. That like, equivalent. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Like, then it, when I came to New York, I had met, like, Marina Franklin and Rachel Feinstein and, like, um, you know, some other girls who were kind of, like, Lori Kilmartin and... Um, uh, wow, these are heavy hitters you're naming Claire, here. Claire Bill... Claire Beale, I think her last name was, B-I-J-L. She was like a French comedian who was around doing her thing back then. Did, you, course, did you meet these people at the comedy clubs here? Yeah, yeah. And, and this is before you got to the Lower East Side. You were like in the, you were in like regular comedy world, like mainstream comedy yeah, world. Yeah, like I was trying to get into the comedy clubs. And I did, you know, I, I performed at the Boston Comedy Club a little bit. I would go over to the cellar all the time. I never performed at the cellar, but I would just linger over there, loiter. And you were doing stand-up with your music then? or did? Or what, I was just doing stand-up at the time without music, but then I started to kind of slowly integrate the guitar. But I felt the rejection and the like bridge and the wall that got, I mean, not the bridge, the wall that got put up with the guitar. You know, mm. The other comedians were like, comedy place is no place for a guitar. Like that's, don't bring your guitar. Jim Norton specifically, I remember, and I quote, if you ever bring your guitar on stage, I will shove it down your throat. I think wow. Yeah, he was joking, but you know. Right. Yeah, no, um, I, know. I, I get it. I get it. I know, I, know, I know you weren't going me too with that. What <laughs> yeah. time's like, up. And so I started playing um, on West 4th Street in the, in the tunnel because I, I wanted to get the courage to perform. And when I started doing stand-up, Michelle, I was so scared. I would forget my jokes, I would lose my voice, my throat would go dry, I would stare like a deer in the headlights, and I would just be like, ah, you know, and people would be like, boo, you know. What year, what year was it when you were playing, when you were busking in the subway? Well, I would say it was probably like 99 or 00. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Did you make money doing it? A little. Yeah? Yeah, I mean, um, the most I ever made was like 100 bucks. That, that's night. not bad for 20 years ago. That ain't bad. Yeah. That's not bad. Yeah, it was pretty good. Did you busk in other places as well? Did you ever like busk in Washington Square Park? Um, no, my, my big places that I did were West 4th Street. I did the tunnel in, in like Times Square, 42nd Street. And then uh, another hot spot for me was Esther Place. I like to go to. Oh, by the cube. <laughs> so what do you consider your first entree onto the path that you've taken ever since? Uh, because obviously you did not stay a mainstream comic where they were like, don't bring the guitar on stage. I think what happened, honestly, I think maybe Sean Elaine might have been my... Um, Your yeah, mentor, kind of? Not my mentor, exactly, but like, she and I and, uh, and oh, what's her name? Oh, Bex, were in a band together. Oh, Bex, I know yeah, the Bex. we were in a band, the three of us, and I think I met, sh I, I guess I must have met them at Surf. I must have gone to an open mic and met them there. I'm pretty sure I met them at... Surf. But you know, I think that coming up through those open mics at that time on the Lower East Side, that was the heyday of what was then known as the big quote unquote 
alternative comedy and performance scene, oh, yeah. which was the backlash against the culture of the Boston Comedy yes. Club and the comedy strip and the comedy store and places where you wouldn't see women and the way they would say, don't bring a guitar on stage. Yeah. Well, this was a total Singer, backlash. Right? Mm -hmm. Had that show at, um, oh, what was the place called? They're not there anymore and haven't been for years. Luna Lounge? Luna Lounge. Yeah, okay. that was yeah, a great eating show. Eating it, yeah. Eating it at Luna Lounge. Oh, that, that was, was a great, great, great show. Yeah, yeah. So many people that, that are known that now have gone through there. And I'm not going to list them all. <laughs> if you were there, let us know. Yeah, it was awesome. It was a lot of fun. The show was always packed like, mm -hmm. every week. Mm -hmm. just and there were, there were scouts there. There were scouts there. There were agents there. there were, and like people from HBO would be there and yeah. people got deals. And yeah, yeah. It, was, it, it was was a pretty big deal. It was a hot deal. time, yeah. And yeah. now there's, there's not... There, I think it's just so diluted now. Wait. I mean, there are show, so many shows. The beauty of that scene was that it was condensed within a maybe like six or eight square block area. Yeah. There were like maybe 12 performance spaces. Uh -huh. So, and it was easy enough kind of to get around. to. Well, you know, speaking of condensed spaces, Mo Pitkins was probably my all-time favorite comedy Oh my star. God, Mo Pitkins, yeah. It was gorgeous. I mean, It was I, like the Radio City Music Hall it of was Lower East Side performance and spaces. And there were three stages yep. in the place. So you could do three sets without even leaving the spot. And yep. that was so awesome. Then I'd bop over to the Bowery Poetry Club and there was Sidewalk and there was a comedy club that was over on S street that's closed now i think it's called like laugh lounge yes so there was a oh lot my of god i haven't thought about that one in years yeah there was a lot of yeah. hot stuff and then on. when the gentrification started happening all the performance spaces got squeezed out and eventually the scene still exists i mean collective unconscious moved to Tribeca for a little while the bowery the bowery poetry club went on until that 2012. Place never got touched, yeah. yeah. That place got stronger because yeah. everyone It was the only it was the only game in town. Yeah. Oh, as the far as weirdos is concerned. Yeah. The that was like the weirdo hang. Oh, I miss yeah. that place again, another yeah. RIP. I know. Because the community was so awesome. The people were so charming and fun and wacky and you never knew what you were going to see it, but also that if you just wandered in there was probably some weird show going yeah. on that was kind of awesome or you could like end up on you could just go say I'm just going to hang out for a bit and, and you ended end up, up on stage. stage 25 minutes later <laughs> yeah it was great and now so the whole culture of that um alt performance scene. has changed yeah totally yeah there are still a lot of I think underground kind of shows going on in Brooklyn and Bushwick, but I don't go to them usually unless I have some special reason to, just because like, you, it's hard to get there. I felt like I had a lot of opportunities and, you know, for whatever reason, like for example, I, I got cast on this like reality show and I thought that was going to be a big hit, but then that show ended up getting canceled before it even filmed. I got cast on, uh, what was that, sh what's the one, America's Got Talent for like the first season. And then I got uncast for whatever reason. It kept happening. Like, I was supposed to perform at Carnegie Hall, um, you know, on this really big show, and that ended up getting canceled at the last minute. Um, so, yeah, like, all these things just get... But, but UK was always really great to me, and I had a lot of performance opportunities. Yeah, you toured there. a lot. I did. I went over to the UK a lot, which was great. And I had a lot of opportunities, a lot of comedy festivals, a lot of, you know... You've done Edinburgh. A bunch of times. I love Edinburgh. I want to go back. Uh, I probably will go back once I get 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 this kid old enough to yeah. you know. All right, well, we we brought up the kid, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's another thing, you know. Becoming yeah. a mom has definitely lowered my uh, my my hustle. Yes, you know. I yes. mean, I just I just don't have the same yeah. hustle that I had. But before the, with the kid, there was the husband, Alex. And um, before we get to that, I just want to say what you know what you were known for. 
were dirty folk songs. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and songs. and there was some there was some controversy sometimes about some of your material. You want to expand on that a little bit? Uh, I mean, like the Catholic League um, put out a press release and denounced the song I wrote called "My Pussy Is Magic." Which How cool is that? Was, it was funny because my fa- my whole family is like Italian Catholic, so it was kind of weird for them to you know. But anyway, um, I felt like it was a really fun time because it was sort of at that. Again, you know, this exciting time where women were, like, talking about this very big, I mean, big deal, my pussy's magic, who cares, you know, I mean, there's, like, a billion songs a day now, it seems like, written about that, but at the time, it was very novel. Well, you were at the forefront of that, I mean, and you also was at the very beginning of of YouTube becoming a thing, also. Totally, yeah, Yeah. I was, I like, the beginning of YouTube, And the beginning of social, the very beginnings of that. Like a pioneer! (laughs) Oh, maybe, there's probably, like, 13-year-olds, like, watching your videos, looking up to you, saying, I want to be her, and the mother's (laughs) like, get that crap off now! It's no iPhone for a week. A lot of my music students, actually, they're, you know, they'll come in and bring their kids, and they'll be like, I, I fell into a rabbit hole watching your YouTube videos, and I'm like, oh my god. And part of me is, like, excited, but part of me is like, I'm teaching your seven-year-old to play guitar, you know what I mean? So it's it's really, it's an exciting and fun thing that there are still people finding this stuff, and I hope that they look at it in, like, a fun and exciting way, in like, oh, this was comedy and, and, you know, feminism at that time, that's what right. it looked like, right. you know, I mean, I would still and write we're, songs And we're talking like about that, within the last 10 years. But honestly, I don't have any reason to, I, I would still write Dirty Folk Rock all the time, but I don't have any reason to because there are a million people doing it right now, you know what I mean? It's like, my work here is done. It's Thank like, you. yeah, you know? well, I mean, I would say that you founded that genre, or some people <laughs> might, might, might bear to differ, but I say, pshaw! I think Liz Fair had a big yeah, part she in did. it, and she also, did. like, you know, Two Life Crew was a huge influence. Yes, but I don't know them, I know you. <laughs> So you did have a, a, a certain amount of YouTube fame. You were known in in clubs. You you had a name. People knew you. You would you were performing a lot. You were touring out of the country, across the country. Were you making a living at this? Or I did, was. Yeah, and I, I still, like an actual living, living, like paying your rent, living. Yeah, yeah. That's fantastic. I, I mean, like I wasn't living high on the hog or anything, but. You know, I, I had a downtown apartment in New York City. I paid my rent. I paid my bills. I, you know, had food and the things I needed, and I could go, you know, to movies or whatever. I mean, I was struggling, definitely. Um, and some, some months were better than other, as with any freelancer. You know, like, some when it rained, it poured, and then there would be periods of drought. And meanwhile, with all this going on in your life, you also... Um, segue to becoming a writer. I've always had my blog. You know, I started my blog like back when no one really had blogs, and no. And my blog actually got a lot of a lot of attention, and and people read it. You know, it. I didn't know how to monetize it though, so I didn't even know to monetize it. Mm. I was just like, this is my online diary. Um, but uh, I should have. I wish that someone had pulled me aside and been like, put up some advertising. And then you wrote an essay that got published in Modern Love of the New York Times that you wanted a husband, and you wrote about all the qualities. Correct. Actually, what happened was I put. Like I do, you know, pretty much everything. If I can turn something into art, I will. And I was like, I want a boyfriend. And I, I go to all these comedy shows. I meet all these guys. I meet people around. They're just not really, we're not clicking. But I, I did end up saying, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to write a, an ad and put it on Craigslist. And, you know, it was kind of like a wish list. It was almost like a, you know, like, this is what I'm looking for. This, this, you, I, want, I want a tall guy, good looking. I'd like him to have a job, you know, never been to, like, jail, just, like, I'd like, you know, just going down this list of, like, this dream person. I know it's very low, low standards to be, like, never been to jail, but, you know, that's where I was at the time. I just wanted a, a normal, happy, healthy partner, you know, and um, I met 300, you know, 300 people 
responded to this and a lot of people were like who the hell do you think you are how dare you you know because they couldn't deal with the fact that maybe I had some standards you know or whatever or was trying to have standards and yeah and guys were they did not like and it. what year was this that was probably like 2007 I think. wow yeah okay. so then I got like you know all these responses a lot of dick pics a lot of guys just like sent you know cock shots Ugh. did you save them uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thought it would make a fun book you know so I took yeah. all the emails and everything and just anonymous cock yeah <laughs> So at any rate, I uh, you know I met Alex and he was just really awesome. I went on a couple dates, not that many. Um, Out of the three hundred, how many actual dates did you go on? Three. Wow. Yeah. And one of them was Alex. Yeah, yeah. I had a lot more planned, but I got sick and I just like canceled a bunch of dates. And also, I think I was kind of like. I was like, I don't want to go out with any of these people. This is stupid. You know what I mean? I kind of just, I, I got like a case of the kind of like nervous, you know, nerves mm. where I was like, never mind. But you met Alex and My the rest of My sister convinced me. She was like, just go on a date with him. And I was like, but he's younger than me. And, and she was like, just go. And I did. And we had so much fun. And you married. Are, yeah. Years later. And you married and, and you have a child. Yeah. It's really crazy. So that's like a Craigslist love story. It is. It's and so and cool. then it became on Modern Love. Yeah. Then, then Modern Love featured the story. Like, the, um, Daniel Jones wrote sort of a segment about, like, different kinds of ways that people had met, and he featured my story. So, your son was born in 2016. Well, of course, your life changes when you become a parent. How has it affected your creative life? Um, I mean, like I say, the hustle is definitely decreased because all the energy that I used to put towards, you know, my hustle is now going towards this kid and it's not like that for everybody I realize that I, I think that I personally you know I'm a little older I'm a little kind of sensitive now about you know if I were younger I think I would have been like you know figure it out kid I got stuff to do you know but now that I'm older I've kind of been through I've toured I've done all kinds of stuff now I'm happy to stay home with him and and take care of him and and watch him grow and you know put my energy to someone else's needs for once but are, are you so, have you kind of like semi-retired then from comedy? I would say retired. I guess I'm on like a, a hiatus of sorts. I mean, I've, I've performed this past weekend, which was really yeah. fun. I did a show. I do shows. I've seen know. you doing the mom circuit. Oh, yeah. And there's such a cool mom circuit oh, going on yeah. in New York right now with so many wonderful comedians like Ophira Eisenberg, yeah. Carolyn Castiglia, Emily Blake, Adira, and Ann. Oh, great, they, cool moms. And all of whom were from our scene. And it's fantastic to have kids that are about the same age yeah. as theirs and get yeah. to sort of... It, it, it's like you connect with people who have kids in a different way. It's like the people you were hanging out with in the street in your 20s are the people that you're pushing prams with in your 40s. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. kind of, sort of. I, I just, yeah, I really love those guys. They're just so great. And they're very inspiring, too, you know, to see them with their kids who are a little older and be like, okay, cool, like, it's possible. You can be a mom and you can be a performer, you know. But right now, I'm really enjoying my time with my son, and I'm writing a lot right now. Are you writing, um, like, songs or are you writing uh, like I am stories writing songs I am writing jokes but I've been I've been writing for a lot of different publications I've been writing for um, like high times since, oh cool basically the my kid was born like the day he was born I got it I had pitched them a bunch of stories that week and they got accepted the day he was born how funny high I've times been, I've been contributing to high times for two years high times mom yeah, totally. Stoner mom. <laughs> um, but yeah. I've been kind of covering parenting for high times, which seems like a weird, like that would have never happened until legalization, you know, parenting, right. high times parenting. So I, I mean, really think it's going to be decriminalized soon. Yeah. 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 You, 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 could, you can smell it. Started, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You can smell it anywhere you walk around. <laughs> totally. But you've been continuing to write music. 
ever I, since, yeah, right? Yeah, I've written a bunch of songs. I have a, you know friends who come over and we jam. I still do shows. I teach music lessons. So um, you're you're quite busy. I'm yeah. I've got plenty of stuff to do, and and if I wanted to, I feel like I could do a lot more. You know, I just kind of am just. Well, people ask me to do stuff all the time, and I have to really weigh, you know, I well, have to yeah. be more selective, and it's awesome. When I was in my, you know, younger years, if someone asked me to do something, I would feel, like, compelled to say yes. Like, oh, if I don't say yes, then they'll never ask me again, and right. then I'll die, and everything will be terrible. And now it's like, if someone asks me something, I'm, it's like, give me five reasons to say yes. Yeah. <laughs> How much money yeah. am I getting paid? Uh -huh. What time is it? Where is it? Who is in the show with me? Who's in the show? And is it going to be fun? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you know, and you need four out of five yeah, yeah, to, to yeah. do it. Yeah. Totally. No, I totally get it. You know, you don't even need to be a mom to have that mindset with stuff. That's just called Absolutely. being over 40. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Growing up a little bit. Yeah, growing up know? a little bit. Well, speaking of growing up, a little Pascal says that you have some of your new music that you want to share with oh, us. Oh, well, I have a song that I wrote about having my... Um, I'll tell you a little, a quick little joke, and then I'll play the song. And um, Okay, so I used to hate kids until I had one, and now I hate people who hate kids. No, I <laughs> I mean, the truth is, it's cowardly to say you hate children, right? Why would you hate kids? If you're so tough, name names. I want to hear you say, like, I hate five-year-old Jimmy who lives on my block. He's too obliviously happy, you know? Or I hate infant Mia, my neighbor's kid. She smells like hope, you know? <laughs> she makes the whole floor reek of joy. So then this is the song that I wrote that goes with that joke. What's the name of the song? Uh, it's called Pretend. Pretend. Alright, Jessica Delfino. Smells like hope, speaks like joy. <laughs> so, let's see. If you see me on the subway with my baby Please pretend for one short ride you don't hate kids Move your black, close your legs, don't be a hateful guy or lady. Just push your awful face to smile before I flip my lid. You don't want to see this mama bear get angry. Must be hard to go through life so dead inside. But I'm already feeling downtrodden, tired, and hangry. So please just pretend not to be an asshole for one Short and sweet. Short and sweet. Do you have anything else you want to do? you want to do an oldie for us? Sure, I'll do an oldie. This is an old dirty folk rock song. Um, this is one of my first ones that I ever wrote. Is, is it the one that got you infamy? Um, one of. One Great. Of them. Great. This is the first one ever. A one, a two, a one, two. If you meet me on the street and I seem to be mad or upset and you're wondering if it was you, well, there's something you should not forget. my vagina If you're ever feeling unsure about why your girlfriend is acting strange and you don't understand what brought on the sudden change Remember Oh remember Once a month for a week she bleeds from her vagina It really just gushes blood It's awful Left the 
vagina. Come on, everyone sing along, even the men. Vagina. Jessica, an oldie and a newie. So, what was the name of that song? I think I called that one uh, Sudden Change. Sudden Change. Oh, cool. So, you've gone from your pussy being magic to um, pre let's pretend with the mom stuff. Yeah, right. It's well, awesome. Well, they were, they're related, really. Yeah. I they, mean, that's, that well, yeah, what, what, without the pussy, there's no baby. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And without the blood, there was no baby. And I don't no really baby. exactly know what happens. As far as I'm concerned, it could be magic. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just like something goes in yeah. and then a baby comes out. And then a baby comes out. Yeah. I don't Amazing. Know what's going on in there. Oh, my God. That's right. You, it's not like you could see it no. happen. No. Yeah. I, mean, it's I, like I have an idea. Right. Someone told me. Yeah. But, you know, they could be making things up. They don't know. I choose to believe it's magic. Yeah. It is magic. Um, so what magic is up next on Horizon for you, Jess? Go I'm on. doing a great show that I can't wait for, um, November 2nd with Emily Flake and Ophira Eisenberg. I'm pretty sure it's at, oh, it's in Brooklyn. All right. Yeah. We'll, we'll find out where the show is and, and um, I'll, I'll announce it afterwards. Well, I've got a lot of articles that are coming out in various publications. I've got two stories coming out in Romper which is a mom magazine that Disney runs, and I've got two stories coming out in Self Magazine. Oh, Self, yeah, pretty so cool. I'm doing a lot of writing right now. That's great. So if people want to find out more about you and your work, where you're performing, or what else is going on with your blog or your articles, where I'm can they find you? I'm on all the social media. I've got an Instagram page. I'm on Facebook. I've got Twitter, Jessica Delfino. Google me. So you're, you're the same on all, on all platforms? Um, yes. I think on Facebook I might be Jessica Delfino DFR, like Dirty Folk Rock. And do you have a website? Uh, it's jessicadolfino.com. Okay, well, that's fantastic. So <laughs> like her on Facebook, follow her on Twitter, because you can. Thank you. Well, Jessica, the, uh, there's one last question that I like to ask of everyone as we come to the end of our chat together. If you would have a word or two of advice or encouragement for a young person who wants to be creative but doesn't know how either to get out of the small town they live in or the small mindset they're being brought up in. What would you tell this child? Well, you know, a lot of people say, like, be yourself and that kind of stuff. I think it's really important and very understressed. Just be your goddamn self, you know? I mean, find that weird little thing that makes you unique and special and ride it, you know? Uh, and, and, and we always overlook things. We overlook, we overlook things because we're like, no one's gonna care about that or no one's gonna care about this. But the little thing that you don't think that anyone is gonna care about is actually the thing I think that people really find very interesting. Like you can make a certain recipe or you can do this stupid little trick that you do. You know, these little things are the things that, the, con the things that you talk about in conversation with friends are the things I think that end up really kind of getting legs and spreading versus that big, plan that you have that big explosive thing like it doesn't have to be that crazy it can just be just a little weird kind of quirky unique thing that you can do that you know is kind of neat yeah ride your weirdness to where you least expect it and you'll find magic yeah <laughs> <laughs> thanks for being on fish thanks out of Agua, jessica so for me thank you for well, having me hug oh, on the air hug on the air we always oh. end with a hug on the air
friends went away and I had a get together but now I wish I hadn't cause my house got trashed and things got broke but this is really sad and I wish it weren't so but someone took a shit Tim brought. I saw him standing in the corner with a look of drunk and malicious intent. And I'm never gonna buy the Jägermeister anymore. Cause someone took a shit in the grand piano. I had my piano lesson yesterday. Guns and Roses, I'd be like, Party was so much fun. I gave Martin a BJ. He's the quarterback of the football team. And I also gave Pedro a handjob. He's our my parents come home today I hope they don't take my beamer away Cause in the song I'm 16 and I'm rich Cause someone Took a shirt in the grand With Fish Out of Agua on Radio Free Brooklyn. You just heard a song by Jessica Delfino from her album Anarchist Anthems for the Whole Family, Songs to Make War To. And this song was the fittingly titled Who Took a Shit in the Grand Piano? <laughs> and the album was released in 2014. 
And as for the show that Jessica will be doing with Ophira Eisenberg and Emily Flake on Friday, November 2nd, that show is also fittingly titled Shit Show, and it will be at Union Hall. Well, kids, that's our show. You, once again, have been listening to Fish Out of Agua on Radio Free Brooklyn. And I have an announcement to make before we get to Jessica's last song pick. I want to let everybody know that one of Radio Free Brooklyn's favorite bands, Love Honey, is going to be playing at Arlene's Grocery this coming Thursday, September 27th. Doors open at 7. Showtime is at 8. Arlene's Grocery is at 95 Stanton Street on the Lower East Side. $8 in advance, $10 at the door. Go see Love Honey. We interviewed Ali Quinones last year. She's a fantastic person, an amazing singer, and it's going to be a fantastic show. Well, let's get to the last of Jessica's song picks. She always said that she was a mixture of Two Live Crew and Joni Mitchell. And this song is from Joni Mitchell. It's called Help Me. It's from her Court and Spark album back in 1974. Stay tuned for Brooklyn Bandstand next. And we'll see you next week. I've seen some hard, hard places come